All right. So Hebrews chapter six, we're picking up where we left off last Sunday. Quickly, a book written to the Jews by a Jew to tell them to quit being Jews. Can I get an amen? And basically what he's encouraging them is there was this temptation to go back to the old covenant, to go back to the temple after Jesus had risen from the dead and Jesus had triumphed over sin and death. The entire book is really focused on the fact that Jesus is better. We've already seen that he's better than the prophets. Prophets used mildly by God. Jesus is better. We've seen he's better than the angels. Angels, messengers used mildly by God. Jesus is better. We saw he's better than Moses. That's saying a lot to the Jews. He's better than Moses. Moses was the lawgiver. Man used mildly by God. Jesus is better. Then we saw entering into his rest. The sad part about those who were going back to the old covenant was that they were continuing to try to earn heaven. And by the way, guys, there's nothing you can do to earn heaven. Amen? There's no amount of good works you can do. There's nothing you can do to be worthy of heaven. It's while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. And then we saw last, lastly that Jesus is our great high priest. So there's uh, this temptation to turn away from the grace of God through the cross of Calvary back to a works-based religion, to fall into the same trap that so many still do today, to attempt to come to God apart from Jesus. Without Jesus, you cannot come to the Father. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And you cannot have a relationship with God the Father. And we hear this often, I'm spiritual. I believe in God. Well, the demons believe and tremble. And I don't even like to use the term God. I like to say Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Amen? And so we want to point people to him. To heed the words often of men rather than the word of God. To be moved by outward pressures of life instead of being led by the Holy Spirit within. And in this morning's text, we're going to reveal why they are so vulnerable and why we can fall into that same trap. If you were here last week, I titled the message, It Was Time to Grow Up, and we saw marks of spiritual immaturity. We saw a dullness toward the Word of God. Let me just say this. Your love for the Word of God is almost always in proportion to your maturity in your walk with God. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, you cannot grow spiritually and spend no time in the Word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by and we're to desire the word of God more than our necessary food. So if you're struggling spiritually, check out your devotional time. How much time are you in the word? How much time do you spend in the presence of the Lord? What's your prayer life like? Guys, those are proportionate. You're as close to God as you want to be. Amen? And if you're not close to him, it's not his fault. Amen? Not only a dullness toward the word, these are signs of spiritual immaturity, but an inability to share with others. Well, I don't like sharing my faith. Well, if you love the Lord enough, you'll love sharing your faith. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Guys, aren't you glad somebody shared with you? We're not to keep it to ourselves. The saddest thing we can do is go to heaven by ourselves. Number three, we saw an improper spiritual diet, not feeding on the whole counsel of God, just focusing on the parts of the Bible that make you feel good about yourself. And we need to teach the whole counsel of God. And then lastly, a lack of spiritual discernment. You know, the reason that there are so many churches today and so many Christians today struggling is because they have no discernment because they don't spend enough time with the Lord. The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So if your life is kind of a mess and you're lacking direction and wisdom, it's because you don't spend enough time with the Lord. Amen. The Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. And then we started looking at the call to spiritual maturity where we're going to pick up 
uh, this morning. And first we saw, and we only got through the first point last week, to go beyond the basics. Again, not to be just satisfied with the get out of hell free card in your wallet. Amen? You know, I walked an aisle, I prayed a prayer, I'm going to heaven, my name's written in the Lamb's book of life, and now I'm just going to go live like the world until I die. And you know, again, we've been justified, we're being sanctified, we're being molded more into the image of our Savior. So grab your outline, Hebrews 6, I titled the message, A Call to Spiritual Maturity. And again, keep the context as he's talking to those who have tasted and seen of Jesus. They know a lot about him, but some of them are being drawn back to that old religion and all the rituals they were used to that was used by the Lord pointing to Christ. But once Christ came, there was no longer need for them. So we're going to see a call to maturity. We already looked at to go beyond the basics last week. I just put it here for context. Verses four through six, I will tell you right now, are some of the most controversial verses in the entire Bible. And we're going to take a look at those to fully grasp the consequences of rejecting Jesus. We're going to see the text where some have been enlightened. Some have tasted of the Lord. They've experienced the Lord. They've been partakers of the Holy Spirit, at least to the point of being convicted by him. And at the same time, they've witnessed the miracles of God. And then we're going to see that they walk away from God. And then there's this debate. Well, were they saved and they lost their salvation? Uh, or were they people who weren't really saved? But we got to understand the context of who he's largely talking to. And who he's largely talking to are these Jewish believers who've become, you know, the first century church was largely Jewish. Praise God. Amen. You know, this is a Jewish book about a Jewish savior. Can I get an amen to that? Written by Jewish people. Can I get an amen? All right. So, but many of them were being drawn away. And so we need to read it in its context. We'll go through that. Then we're going to see, Lord willing, with time to fully grasp the consequence of rejecting Jesus, a life that bears fruit. The Bible says, by your fruit, they shall know you. If you say you're an apple tree and you don't bear any apples, you're not an apple tree. Can I get an amen? And that's not working. And if we say we're Christians and our lives are fruitless, we have to wonder if we really are following Christ. Along with the life that bears fruit, perseverance to, in the midst of persecution and temptation. A spiritually mature believer is not going to be tossed to and fro by the, the waves of trials and difficulty or every wind of doctrine. Amen? Someone who knows the Lord, knows what they believe and why they believe it, their eyes are on the Lord and they don't get so easily blown off course by the trials of life. And then finally, if we have time, laying hold of hope and promises that we have in Jesus. See, if you're really mature in your faith, your hope is in Christ, you're reminded of those, and you continually walk in the promises and the hope that we have in the Lord. So let's begin there looking at a call to spiritual maturity to fully grasp the consequences of rejecting Jesus. Look what it says there in verse four. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God who put him to an open shame. And aren't you glad you came this Sunday? People read those verses and they lose their minds. I've had more people come to me and say, well, I gave my life to the Lord and then I fell away for a while. And if I read that verse right, it means I can't come back and I'm done. Aren't you glad that's not really the context? Can I get an amen to that? Because every one of us would be in trouble. Can I get an amen? And we'll, 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 we'll talk about it when we get there, but there's a difference between falling and falling away. Falling is 
you know, sinning again, which we all do every week. Amen. Falling away is making a conscious choice to walk away from Jesus. Those are two different things. Can I get an amen? So beginning there in verse four, again, the context is key here. And it's so important that we understand who it's being written to, what the circumstances were. The word there, impossible, means without strength, powerless, and unable to be done. This word is used four times in the book of Hebrews. Let me read the others to make sure you understand. The word impossible means impossible. Because it says this in Hebrews 6, it is impossible for God to lie. Is it that impossible or just difficult? That's impossible. See, sometimes in the Bible, or sometimes we'll use the term, we'll say something's impossible, but it's just something that's very difficult. Oh, it's impossible to do that. But it's not impossible, it's difficult. These things that we're talking about are impossible. Secondly, in Hebrews 10, it says, it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sin. Can I get an amen to that? So it's not difficult, it's impossible. The blood of bulls and goats was something that was is faithful obedience in the old covenant, but it was always pointing to Jesus. It was always a picture, a foreshadowing of the one who came. And when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished, it's paid in full. That's why there's no more, we're not dragging bulls and goats in here on Sunday. Can I get an amen? Because the blood of bulls and goats could never redeem us. Because if it could, if they could, we would not, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. It also says in Hebrews 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let me just say this. We'll get there when we get to Hebrews 11, but let me make it clear. That means if you don't know God, you cannot please God. Amen? Well, I live a life pleasing to the Lord, but I don't know him. Uh, no, you can't. Amen? And we live in a world today that thinks, well, if I just give to charity and I do good things and, and, I, you know, and I, I give my money away and I give time and I go down and serve at the food bank or whatever, those things are all, can all be great. But guys, without Jesus in the equation, you cannot please God. Amen? So the point I'm making is the word impossible here means impossible. And when you see that word there, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Once enlightened. The word enlightened there, they've experienced the light of God shining upon their lives. That's what the word means in the original language. They've experienced the light of God shining on their lives. They've, they've had some kind of recognition that there is a God, that God is real, and that he can have an impact on their life. So those who have been enlightened. And then it says, have tasted of the heavenly gift. The word taste there means to try the flavor of, to partake, to experience. The word heavenly gift is, means a gift of heavenly origin. So it's speaking about Jesus. So they had some experience with Jesus. They had some level of experience with him. They recognized that God is real and he's had, you know, he shine a light upon their life to some degree. And then it says, and they have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. So they've had experienced the work of the Holy Spirit. They've been convicted by the Spirit. They're conscious of the Holy Spirit. Again, possibly even in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, as you read this list so far, does this sound like someone who knows the Lord? What's the answer? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It sounds like somebody who knows the Lord. Then notice what it says in verse 5. And have tasted the good word of God have experienced the truth and goodness of God's word. They not only heard it, but they've seen its truth at work in their own lives and the lives of others. So they've, they've been enlightened. They've tasted the heavenly gift. They become partakers of the Holy Spirit. And it says there that they also have tasted the word of God. And then it says, and the powers 
of the age to come. This describes the supernatural power of God. They witnessed miracles. They've seen people healed, the lame walking, the blind seeing, maybe even the dead raised from the dead. And it says they're of the age to come, speaking of the, the world to come, the heavenly world to come. So they've seen all these things, they've experienced them. And so the debate then becomes, are these believers? Do they know the Lord? Do they have a relationship with God? And the reality is, to some degree, it's hard to be, it's hard to be dogmatic either direction. Because you know who, you know who kind of, that you take that list there, and there's a group of people that you could argue have done all of that, and yet they did, and a matter of fact, on top of that, they tithed, they prayed, they did a lot of other things, and they were called the Pharisees. Can I get an amen? Now, now the Holy Spirit part, they've been convicted to some level, no doubt. Uh, they knew the word of God. They taught the word of God. They studied the word of God. They, again, had the, the light of God upon their lives. They had tasted of it, right? All of the above, and then they went above and beyond. They tithed their mint and cumin. They, they prayed. They, they served faithfully. But they were people who were religious and lost. Can I get an amen? See, it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to know him. Guys, we go beyond just tasting and seeing that he is good. Jesus Christ is my best friend. Can I get an amen to that? When I wake up in the morning, he's the first one I think about. When I go to bed at night, he's the last one I think about. And, you know, I, I begin my day with him, spend my day with him, end my day with him. Guys, it's more than knowing about Jesus. Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Savior, our God, and our King. And he's the one we serve with our whole hearts. And praise God for that. Can I get an Amen. So it's not enough to know about him. It's not enough to taste of him. And again, there could be an argument made here that these people are believers. But in the context, he's talking to these first century Christians who had made a proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah and have started to serve him, but are now being tempted to go back to the Old covenant religion, go back to Judaism. They hear the shofar blow and they want to go back to the temple. They've got family members that are still going. They're getting persecuted from the world and being enticed by their family to go back to the old covenant. And he's saying, look, now if they've tasted all these things, if they've experienced this to some level, but yet, and they've seen the miracles. By the way, the Pharisees saw the miracles, didn't they? Can I get an amen? Saw the people being raised from the dead. They saw all of it. So it's one thing to know about the Lord, and it's another thing to truly know him. Now watch what this says, and this is the part that can be concerning for all of us. If they fall away, the word there is to fall beside, to turn aside, to deviate from the right path, to renounce the truth. The context here is to reject Jesus and go back to Judaism. That's who he's writing to in its context. You've heard me say, if you take a text out of context, I get left a con, Amen. And so we need to understand who wrote it, who he's writing to, what he's writing about. And the, the, the concern here is that, and this is even harder, because Judaism was God's plan. Can I get an amen to that? And the old covenant was God's plan for thousands of years. Amen? It began with Abraham, Isaac. It began with Moses and, Moses and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this was God's plan. But God's plan was always pointing to Jesus. And Jesus was always the one we've been waiting for, always the one it's been pointing to. And now Jesus is here. And now it is finished, paid in full. And now we don't go back and fulfill all the old covenant feasts. Now, look, I love doing a Passover Seder, 
But we don't need to do that as a, an act of worship, but it's a picture of Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? So I love doing it, but it's not a requirement. And back in the old days, it was the feast and the sacrifice. They were, it was a bloody mess. They were sacrificing animals constantly. Why? Because they needed to recognize that without the shedding of blood, there can be no covering for sin. And they needed to recognize there's a high price for our sin to be forgiven. But guys, when Jesus came, he paid it all, and the old covenant is necessary no more. Amen? And I think a lot of the reason they're being drawn back is they grew up with it. And maybe we don't have a lot of people here being drawn back to Judaism, but we may have some people here that you may have grown up in a very ritualistic church, and you're so used to all the rituals and all the formality and all those things that take place, and part of you still struggles with, well, maybe I need to keep doing that too. In the church I pastored in Santa Cruz, about almost half the church had come out of the Catholic church, and a lot of them would go to mass and then come to church. And they said, well, I got to make sure my both, both you know, I'm covered. I got to be covered. And I said, Jesus got you covered. Can I get an amen to that? And when I say this, I do believe within the Catholic church, there are people who are saved, but the Catholic church as a whole, much of what it teaches is contrary to the word of God and it adds to the word of God. Can I get an amen to that? But that's also true of a lot of other denominations where they've lost their way. You know, they're ordaining homosexuals. They're teaching that abortion's okay. They've lost their minds when it comes to the word of God. They say Jesus doesn't have to be risen for us to be saved. Guys, that's not the church. That's a cult. Can I get an amen to that? When you make Jesus less and man more, you're a cult. And so the exhortation here is that Jesus is the answer. And these guys have tasted of it. It's been a short amount of time since Jesus ascended into heaven. It's been 25 years or so. And here they are experiencing this, but there's still the draw. But yeah, but I remember all the rituals and I grew up with it and my family's pressuring me and they want me to go back. And guys, you need to make a stand for Jesus Christ. Because you know what? You don't need to go back. You need to bring your family with you. You need to bring them to Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Now, so the whole point here is if they fall away, Who's, now, again, it says there to renounce the truth, to reject Jesus, and in this context, to go back to Judaism, to reject grace for dead works. It says there, now read this, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. It's impossible. It's impossible. If you go back to verse 4, the word context, the writer is saying, if they retreat back to Judaism, all the religious repentance in the world will do them no good. See, if we reject Jesus and then repent some other way, that repentance means nothing. Can I get an amen to that? Well, I repent by doing this. I crawl on my knees through glass to Mecca, or I, or I, you know, I serve, or I'm involved in this ministry or that ministry. But the reality is, Salvation can only come through the Son of God. And if we reject Him, there's no amount of, of repentance towards anything else that will ever get you into heaven. Amen? That's the exhortation. That's the context here. It says they crucify Him again. The forsaking of Jesus is tantamount to, to crucifying Him again. You can't do enough to be saved. The blood of bulls and goats cannot and will not save you. And again, it is so tragic, especially if they were to express their repentance in, their old, in the forms of the old covenant. Because see, for them, they may feel like they can leave Jesus and just start slaying lambs again. 
And we'll just, we get, we did, it worked for thousands of years. We can go back to this. Let's put lambs to death and spread the blood of the lamb. Well, by the way, the ark's gone. Amen. Uh, the temple's going away, and that's not going to be long from now. But at the moment, at the time, they're thinking they can just continue in doing what they had done before. But AD 70, the ark will be gone, the temple will be gone, everything else will be gone. And I believe that God removed it for a reason. Can I get an amen? He allowed it to come down for a reason. Why? Because we don't want to put our faith in a building. We don't want to put our faith, we want to put our faith in the one that all of it pointed to. Amen? Everything in the temple was pointing to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer. And no longer is it a temple that we go to. We are the body of Christ, his people. We are his church. Can I get an amen? So we don't have to be in a temple. We can be outside at a Christian school. <laughs> Amen? So having been enlightened with the gospel, the truth, to the person of Jesus Christ, to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, having experienced the truth of God's word firsthand, having witnessed the supernatural power of God, even though, and then the verse that says it is impossible that blo the blood of bulls and goats can take away sin, if they fall away in light of all the exposure they've had, whether they've truly given their life to the Lord or not, if they deviate from the true path, if they reject Jesus to go back to Judaism, if they reject the grace of God for works, all the rituals of repentance in the world won't do them any good. You know, if you're truly born again, the Lord adopted you and he will not disown you. But those who have tasted and seen, they've had exposure to it, but over time they walk away. And what this reminds me of is the parable of the sower right? You guys are familiar with the parable of the sower? And the parable of the sower, you know, some of the seed falls on hard ground. Well, when it lands on hard ground, it never even takes root. The birds come and pluck it up. By the way, in the Bible, seed always represents the word of God. It never represents money. Can I get an amen? Got to give a seed offering. No, that's nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> it's nowhere in the Bible. Seed is always the word of God. Can I get an amen to that? Okay. But the seed falls on hard ground and gets plucked up. Well, some of the seed starts to grow. But then, you know, the wind, adversity comes and it goes away. And then others, they get choked off by the world, right? They grow even more and get choked off by the world. Now, the only seeds that are truly a representation of someone who gives their life to the Lord is the seeds that are planted, they grow and they bear fruit. Amen. So the point is that you can have all the exposure in the world to the Lord, but if your life is not bearing fruit, has not borne fruit, it's a representation. You might be one of those other seeds. Because there's some people that receive the gospel with joy, and they seem to walk with God for a time. And then things maybe get difficult, and they walk away. Or maybe they're you know, caught up in the thorns of this world, of this life, and they, and they leave. So there must be fruit, and it's not by chance that the next two verses are going to be about bearing fruit. Because again... There's an opportunity to know the Lord. They've been openly exposed to the Lord and they rejected Jesus in favor of something else. It says that they put him to open shame. They reject all the suffering, all the torment, his separation from the Father, his sinless perfection, and they walked away from all of it. His atoning work of redemption, they say it all as being meaningless. I, I'll tell you, uh, righteous anger is a real thing. But the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Amen? But I have to confess, I get angry when I see entire denominations who now are putting less focus on Jesus and more focus on anything else. Can I get an amen? 
and it grieves my heart and it grips me. And you know what? There's some churches that have closed during COVID that needed to close. <laughs> and I hope they never open up again. Can I get an amen to that? Matter of fact, we should find out if their buildings are available and let's go redeem that place. Can I get an amen? Because the reality is that some of them needed to die because they don't push. It's about Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. And if we remove Jesus from the gospel, it's not the gospel. Amen? And religion will not save you. Relingara to relink. Relinking sinful man back to holy God. Again, the interpretations of this part are all over the map. Differing opinions by men I respect. Questions surrounding uh, this text are, are they Christians? Are these people Christians? They were enlightened. They've tasted. Uh, uh, boy, sure, it sounds like they were Christians. Oh, and they fell away. Wait a minute. Christians can fall away? I thought we were eternally secure. And then what's even scarier is it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. Oh, no. Not only can I lose my salvation, but if I go back, I can never get it back. Guys, I want you to know in context of the word of God, that's not the case. Aren't you glad? got to look at just the context of the chapter, but the context of the whole counsel of God. Can I get amen to that? Now, falling and falling away are two different things. One is turning your back on God, rejecting him, and walking in another direction. And it's sad. We're seeing a lot of people doing that right now. Have you noticed that? There are pastors that reject Jesus now. The guy that wrote that book, uh, I, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, Joshua Harris, rejects Jesus now. There's all these people like that that are rejecting Jesus. And so some would say, well, they were Christians who lost their salvations. Other would say they, were, they weren't saved to begin with. Ultimately, that's up to God to judge. Here's what I would encourage you with. Abide in Christ, you got nothing to worry about. Can I get an amen to that? Raul Reese says, man, if you're not abiding, you're not going, man. So here's the reality. <laughs> You got to be abiding, right? We got to be abiding in Christ. And guys, if you're falling away, don't look to works. Don't look to things. Look to Jesus. Because when you fall in love with Jesus, don't try to bear fruit. Look at a bear fruit. Don't do that. I've never seen an apple tree grunting. Have you? We got a lemon tree in our backyard. I think bears more fruit than we can handle. I've never heard it scream one time, okay? But the reality is we don't try to bear fruit. Here's what we do. We press in. To the, we're grafted into the vine, amen? John 15, he is the vine and we are the branches. And as we're grafted in him, we bear fruit. It's a natural outpouring of being a born-again Christian, amen? Having a relationship with the Lord. And again, I can't tell how many times the pastor I've talked to people that thought, oh no, it's too late. I cannot be forgiven. I'm doomed for all eternity. Guys, we must heed the warning in the chapter. We must never attempt to replace grace with works, not a works-based salvation. And again, the key to understanding and properly applying this text is that it's written to Jewish Christians first and foremost, contemplating returning to Judaism. And there's a great difference between falling and falling away. We all sin. Amen. How many of you guys sinned this week? Okay. Me too. So your thought life, everything, you sinned. Okay. So now as Christians, we're not sinless, but we should sin less. Can I get amen to that? And we should hate our sin. And the amount of time between when we sin and when we repent ought to be getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Can I get amen to that? Constant, immediate repentance and asking God to forgive us. Ephesians 1 tells us we've been blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, and assured. Amen. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. It's a down payment on heaven. And I, you know, once saved, always saved is used a lot. Here's what I like to say. Again, instead of once saved, always saved, 
I would, you know, I think the, a better word would be something like, you know, walking faithfully. Can I get an amen to that? Because see, if we're truly been born again, if we've been saved real good, as my dad would say, it would be something that remains an evidence in our lives. Amen? It's not just, I walked in, I prayed a prayer, I got to get out of hell free card, I'm living like the devil. That is not somebody who can be assured of their salvation. Can I get an amen to that? But if we walk and we live a life that is a fruitful life in the Lord, I know that 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 I'm going to heaven, not because I'm good, because he's great. And I trust in his promises. He's promised me. His Holy Spirit lives inside of me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. So I know for sure that heaven's not a hope, so it's a no-so because of Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. Can I get an amen to that? And guys, that's true of everyone here. If you've truly given your life to the Lord at, at the same time, this verses are in the Bible for a reason. And again, I don't worry one second about my security in Christ, but at the same time, if, there, if your life has not been fruitful, there's no evidence that you've truly been saved. Don't believe anyone can say with complete certainty, again, what these verses point to, but I believe it's clearly in the context of those who tasted but never really knew the Lord and they walked away. They had a taste of it, but they never knew him. They knew about Jesus, but they didn't know him. The demons believe and tremble. You know, it tells us in Matthew that many will come to stand before the Lord. I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name, right? I testified in your name. I did all these things in your name. And Jesus will say, depart from me for what? I never knew you. He didn't say, I used to know you. He didn't say, I knew you for a while. He says, I never knew you. And my belief is that this context, when you take it in the whole counsel of God and who it's being written to, again, the key here is I believe these are people who were never truly, completely saved. They were near the Lord. They were experiencing things of God, but they had not surrendered their lives to the Lord. But it's clear as believers, we need to abide in Christ. Again, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. If you're, if, again, if you're abiding, not abiding, you're not going, be holy for I am holy. We're not trying to achieve salvation. The idea here is not that if you fall away, you can't come back to Jesus ever. The idea here is if you turn your back on Jesus, don't expect to find salvation anywhere else. Amen? If you turn your back on Jesus, you will not find salvation anywhere else because there's no other name under heaven by which men and women must be saved. Amen? So point number one, fully grasping the consequences of rejecting Jesus. Uh, and now we're going to look at a life that bears fruit. We're going to see the difference here that you're one of these two people. Okay, you ready? One of these two people. So is everybody on this planet. Look at verse seven and eight. For the earth, which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessings from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, which end is to be what? Burned. Ooh. So rain falls on the ground. This goes back to the parable of the sower again, but the rain comes on the ground. So the rain comes to everybody, right? The key is not even the seed that comes and the rain that comes. It's the ground that receives it. If the ground is hard, it will bear no fruit. If the ground is, uh, is filled with briars and thorns and thickets and weeds, again, it doesn't bear any fruit. But the good ground falls on prepared soil and bears fruit. So the, the two examples here that we see in verses 7 and 8 
is clearly that, again, the contrast between soil that bears fruit and soil that produces weeds. The, the seed there is God's word. The Bible says that we are washed by the water of the, of the word of God. God's word put to, into the human heart. And fruit reveals the impact it's had on the human heart. See, if, if you've truly given your life to the Lord, it will be evident in your behavior. Now, I just said that we're not saved by works, okay? But it's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that works. Can I get an amen? And when we have faith in Christ, it becomes evident because our life begins to bear fruit. If there's no fruit, and by the way, you're not the fruit inspector. Can I get an amen? Okay, leave that to the Lord. Walk around, where's your fruit, bro? What's up? We don't need to be doing that. If you want to say that, look in the mirror and start there. Can I get an amen? But whether I accept or reject the gospel, the truth of God's word has no impact on the gospel. Did you know that? Well, I don't believe it. Okay, it's still true. Amen? I, I, yeah, I was dealing with the, I'd hate to, well, a very arrogant millennial. Well, I don't believe that. I'm like, okay, and God's heart, feelings are really hurt. I mean, God, he loves you. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't, he doesn't want you to, he doesn't want to die without you. He doesn't want you to die without him, right? But that being said, the truth is the truth, whether you believe it or not. And it's not my truth and your truth. It's the truth. And so you can't, well, I just don't believe that. Well, my philosophy teacher taught me better. I'm walking away from that. Well, your philosophy teacher is a tool of the devil. How about that? Can I get an amen to that? He's teaching you a false gospel, a false doctrine. He doesn't even know what he believes because he, yeah, they're, they're a mess. I had a philosophy in college. What a nightmare. But the reality is that, guys, it's not philosophy. It's theology that we need. It's the, the knowledge of who Jesus is. Can I get an amen to that? Knowing him and making him known. And the sad part is that the ground, and this is why we got to be careful how we educate our kids. Praise God for this school and other Christian schools like it. Can I get an amen? Because what's happening is we're allowing the world to feed our kids and plant a bunch of terrors and 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 uh, weeds into their life. Amen. And giving a bunch of stuff that's not true, that contradicts the word of God. And then we wonder why they grow up and want nothing to do with God anymore. Or we send them away to a college that does the same thing and indoctrinates them with a bunch of lies. And, and praise God for Christian kids on, on secular campuses, but be careful. They better know what they believe and why they believe it and be able to stand up for it when they walk out of your house. Can I get an amen? And you know what? We got great youth pastors here. We're pouring into your kids. But guys, that should be gravy to what's happening at home. Amen? Amen. So the reality is that fruit comes from good soil. Because the, the rain's the same. The seed's the same. It's the soil that's different. So if your heart is hard, it's going to bounce off of you. You're going to bear no good fruit. Your life's not going to change. But if there's good soil it will produce much fruit. Do you remember that all the soil was good until something happened in Genesis? What happened? Sin. Do you know there were no thorns or thistles until there was sin? That meant you could pick up a rose and have, didn't have to worry about any thorns until they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Amen? And that's what it all changed. That's why Jesus had a crown of thorns upon his head. Because thorns represent sin. Because they're fruit of sin. Can I get an amen to that? So he was carrying the sin of all mankind upon himself. And so thorns and thistles are a picture of sin. And fruit is a picture of salvation. Can I get an amen to that? It's the evidence that someone has given their life to the Lord. So we talked about the parable of the sower. And so it really comes back to the ground it's implanted. 
Look, as a pastor, I will counsel anybody about anything, anywhere, and anytime. But here's the reality. I have nothing to do with how successful that is. I'm just a tool in the hand of the master. But here's the real key. The heart of the person we're talking to. It's same when marriage counseling. If the hearts of the people are hard, it's probably not going to be a very fruitful time. We'll try. We'll do our best. It's up to God to, to transform their lives. Amen. They need to respond themselves. But guys, when someone's got a hard heart, here's what we need to pray. God, do whatever's necessary to soften that person's heart. If they need to go to jail to get their heart softened, send them to jail. Can I get an amen to that? If they need to go through a health scare to, to soften their heart, Lord, bring it. Lord, do what's necessary to soften those people's hearts so they'll be ready to receive the water of the word of God and the seed of the word of God when it's poured out upon them and it will take root and their lives will bear fruit. Amen? Because it's the hard hearts that it just breaks, it breaks the heart of God. The Bible tells us what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. It's love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And those are evidences of a spirit-filled life. If you have no joy, spend more time with Jesus. Can I get an amen? If, you're, if you don't have patience, anybody struggle with patience besides me? <laughs> Give me patience, Lord, right now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the reality is that, but the fruit of the Spirit, as we spend time in God's presence, will become more and more like our Savior. That's the mark of a spiritual mature life. It bears fruit. By the way, fruit and good works do not produce salvation. It's the other way around. Can I get an amen? Fruit and good works don't save you, but the fact that you've been saved. And then it says there bears thorns and briars, and it is rejected and near to being cursed. Rejection is not on the rain. It's not a reflection on the rain, but the hardness again of the heart of the ground that it lands on. And they have the same exposure to the rain and the sunshine, but their lives do not bear fruit. And again, good soil bears fruit, hard ground bears thorns and thistles. While having the same access to God's word, influence of the Holy Spirit, not all who truly receive it. And again, those who receive it and respond, their lives will bear fruit. Those who reject them, They'll be walking in the flesh. Their lives will be fruitless. And if they continue down that path, they're headed. Look what it says at the end. They will be what? Burned. This is absolutely very clear. Here's what happens. Here's what they would do. They would, they would separate the wheat from the chaff. And they take all the chaff and they gather it up and they burn it. And they gather up all the wheat and they, you know, bind it together to, to plant more and bear more fruit. Amen? And so, guys... Our relationship, we're either bearing fruit, we're either wheat or we're tares. We're either fruitful or we're, you know, we're weeds that are of no value. And guys, it's not God's fault if we're weeds. Can I get an amen? It's not God's fault if we have a hard heart. That's up to us. And we need to come humbly and broken before, your, before the Lord. The Bible says, by your fruit, they will know you. Our, our belief is reflected in our behavior. If we love Jesus, we will obey. Amen? Amen. We'll be convinced. Uh, we'll be convicted when we don't. We'll obey God, and when we don't, we'll be convicted. If you don't obey God and you're not convicted, you're not saved. Amen? Amen? Amen. Oh, that's not very nice. Well, you know what's a lot worse than that is hellfire for all eternity. How about repenting? Can I get an amen to that? Because the reality is that you cannot, 
You cannot live a life that is fruitless. You cannot live a life that, that has no reflection of any transformation at all, a life that has no evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and, and believe that you're saved and going to heaven. I do a lot of funerals. I've probably done 200 in my lifetime. And what's amazing is, and I understand it fully, I've never had anybody's funeral that I did think the person was in hell ever. And I understand why not. Can I get an amen to that? Because you hope beyond hope. But I've done funerals where it's evident the person loved Jesus. They're walking with the Lord. Charmaine, can I get an amen? In heaven, close your eyes on earth to open them up in glory. My mom, close your eyes on earth to open them up in glory. We all can rejoice in that. Can I get an amen to that? But then it's hard when you meet somebody and they're like, well, yeah, their life is a total train wreck and they cursed God their whole life. They wanted nothing to do with him. But when he was eight, he went to camp and walked denial. So I think he's in heaven. And at that point, it's too late on that person, and we try to minister to the people that are still here. Amen? But don't hold on to some faint hope of something that you did 27 years ago that you think somehow is going to get you into heaven, but your life never changed. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, you're here on Sunday, right? And praise God for that. But my prayer is that we not be people who are putting our faith in a good work that we did, or walking an aisle and praying a prayer, but it's evident because we have a relationship with Jesus. Amen? If you know the Lord, if you have intimate fellowship with the Lord, you know it. And if you don't, you know it. Can I get an amen to that? You know it. Again, it's not lost fruit, but a carnal life that produces thorns and briars that reflects the hard heart of the unbeliever. So marks of spiritual maturity. Again, we've seen first that you know, the, the rejection, the, 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 where did I put my outline? I don't have it memorized. I should. Where did I put it? Here it is. So first, uh, to fully grasp the consequences of rejecting Jesus, that's a line of spiritual maturity, to recognize without Jesus, I'm lost. Can you all say that? Without Jesus, my life would be a mess. Can I get an amen to that? Without Jesus, who knows what would happen to my marriage or my kids or my job or my life? Can I get an amen to that? Okay, but with Jesus, look what God's done. And then secondly, a life that bears fruit. Now watch this, perseverance in the midst of persecution and temptation. Look at verse, beginning there at verse nine. It says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Now I love this because the author of the book, who I believe is the apostle Paul, was very blunt, and just told them, people falling away, you know, they don't know the Lord. People that walk away, they don't know the Lord. It's a mess. You can, you can have, have, either have fruit or you're going to spend eternity burning. That's pretty heavy. But then right behind that, what does he say? But beloved. By the way, I still love you guys, right? <laughs> but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. He's saying, look, most of you who are reading this, this doesn't describe you. There's a temptation to go back. But I just want you to know that uh, he calls him beloved. The word there comes from agape. It's agape toa, which means dear friends, only time used in the entire letter. And he has issued such a harsh and exhortive warning that out of love for these early Jewish Christians, he wants to encourage them, love them enough to tell them what they needed to hear. If somebody loves you, they'll tell you the truth. Amen. I love you guys enough that I, I promise you, I'll always tell you the truth, even if it's a truth that you don't want to hear. Amen? And we need to do that. 
So love is not telling people what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And that's exactly what the writer in Hebrews has written to these Jewish believers. But he says, we're confident concerning you. The confident there is we are sure. While the writer issues a harsh warning for those whose lives did not bear fruit, here he makes it clear that he is sure that those he is writing to would be numbered among, would not be numbered among the fruitless. He says, for the most part, those you get in this letter, you've given your life to the Lord. And I've given this to you as a warning, not to be drawn back to the old way of life, not to be drawn back to the old covenant, because you already have the answer, you already have hope, you already have Christ, and I know that's most of you, right? He's encouraging them in their walk with the Lord. Now, why is he so confident? Because it says there in verse, in verse 9, concerning you, the things that accompany salvation. Do you know there are things that accompany salvation? That when you've been saved, there are things that will come with it if you've truly been saved. Because he believes they are truly saved, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're new creations in Christ, it means they will endure, they will bear fruit, they will not fall away. Warning to this early church was needed, so was the encouragement. Guys, we need to be warned and encouraged. Can I get an amen to that? We need the truth and we need it in love. We need both of those things. And so he is exhorting them. He is warning them for those who were being tempted to turn away from Jesus and run back to the old sacrificial system, that if they walk away, they'll be separated from God. It'll prove they never really knew him. And again, there will be no uh, fruit for their, to their repentance, no fruit in their lives. But there is something that comes with true salvation. And it should be evident, not just in the lives of some believers, but all. The warning of pursuing salvation through good's work, good works and turning away from Jesus in a fruitless walk will result in being cursed by God needs to be heard by the church. But at the same time, we need to hear the truly saved by trusting in God's grace, not our own good works, by running to Jesus, not away from him, and lives that bear fruit. Guys, the next time you're going through a trial, run to Jesus, not from him. Whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you're going through, run to the Lord, not from him. And the enemy, this happens all the time. Well, people that are walking with the Lord and something tragic happens in their life. And I'm not downplaying tragedy. I get it. But something happens and then they get mad at God and they shake their fist at God. Well, I'll show God I won't go to church anymore. Well, I'll show God I just won't read my Bible anymore. We're not showing God. You're showing Satan uh, and you're allowing him to, to win, have victory in your life. Can I get an amen to that? So when you're going, the time you need to be at church is the time you, when you don't want to come. Can I get an amen to that? Well, I don't want to go there anymore. And, you know, I'm going to use COVID as an excuse to stay home and watch football. There's no excuse not to be in fellowship. Forsake not the getting yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. Amen? amen? If you're struggling with how much fruit is in your life, I said it before, don't pursue, pursue fruit pursue Jesus. If you are madly in love with the Lord, if you're spending time daily in his word, if you're spending time in prayer, if you're in fellowship with other believers, if you're, if you're, if you're driving in your car worshiping the Lord, I promise you, your life is going to bear fruit. Can I get an amen to that? It's a natural outpouring. You become like those you hang out with. So hang out with Jesus. Amen? If you're spending time with him, it's going to change everything about your life. Don't pursue fruit. Pursue Jesus, and the fruit will follow. Look at verse 10. He says there, for God is not unjust 
to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Isn't it good to know that our God is a just God? Amen? We live in an unjust world. Can I get an amen to that? Some of the things we're judging as being okay and some of the things we're judging as not being okay are so contrary to the word of God, it's scary. Can I get an amen to that? But the only judge that will ultimately matter, no matter how many Supreme Court justices we have in the future, the only, the only judge that really matters is the Lord. Amen? Only him. One of the greatest understatements under in all of Scripture is our God is not unjust. It is God's character that gives rise to such confidence that we can trust in him no matter what. He, has not, he will not forget your work and labor of love. Now, not speaking of works-based salvation, but the fruit of salvation. Now, ultimately, none of us can judge anyone else's salvation, right? We can't. That's up to God, right? But we can be pretty sure on who people are by how they live. Can I get an amen to that? It's pretty evident. Uh, I'll just pick on one person. Uh, any of you hung out with Josh Camper for more than five minutes? Do you hear any Bible verses coming out of that brother's mouth? Is that brother saved? Like, no, I, come on. Can I get an amen to that? By your fruit, they shall know you. Amen? What you love, how you, what, what, what your speech is, the way you entertain yourself, how you spend your time, what you invest in. It's all evidence of who you are in Christ. Amen? People wouldn't get here an hour and a half early to set up chairs they didn't love Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? You know what it is? It's, I'm doing this for the Lord. Everything I do, I do for the Lord. It's a get to. It's not a have to. So God sees the work, and it's not the work that saves us. It's just fruit that we've been saved. God sees, knows, and remembers everything we've ever done out of love for him. Isn't that amazing? You know, he saved me. He saved you. Then he gave you a gift, and then you used the gift he gave you for him, and then he rewards you for the gift he gave you. What a great God we serve. Can I get an amen? And it's amazing to me that he gives us gifts, and then he allows us to use it by the power of his Holy Spirit, and then he's the one that ultimately gets glorified, praise God, but then he rewards us for using those gifts. There's nothing sadder to me than to see Christian who sits on the sideline their whole life, who just misses out on everything that God has for them. Guys, we don't, we don't talk about service here because we want to do a bunch of ministries. This is not the case. We don't have that list on the website that nobody looks at of all the needs we have in the fellowship. No. You know why we do that? Because we know that when you serve, you grow. Amen? We need to go from being ministries to ministers. Amen? This is where the growth really takes place, where it's not all coming this way. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to be fed. I get it. But at some point, it needs to go this way, where we don't just be ministered to, we're ministering to other people. And you look at the people ministering to other people, and they're the ones growing the most. Can I get an amen to that? The Bible says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be what? Servant of all. It's interesting. The world defines success by how many people serve you. And the Bible defines success by how many people you serve. Guys, we need to be servants. Amen. He doesn't forget your labor of love toward his name, out of love for him and for his glory. Think about that. Don't talk. Don't say anything. But what did you do in the last week for God's glory? What did you do in the last week for God's glory? Did you spend time in prayer? Were you interceding on behalf of others? Did you serve somebody? Are you, you know, what have you done for the Lord? What are you doing for the Lord? Now, again, the Lord doesn't need our good works, but it's fruit that we love him. Can I get an amen to that? 
He doesn't need our resources he can provide, but it's a reflection of where we are. It says in that we minister, you minister to the saints and do minister. Again, minister means to be a servant, not only what they've done in ministering to the saints, but how they did it with the heart of a servant. By the way, just doing it for God, if you do it with the wrong heart, I'm not so sure it counts. Can I get an amen? It's kind of like when you tell your kid to go clean up their room and they go up to the room to clean their room. Okay, they might get the room clean, heart not right there. Can I get an amen to that? And that mentality you know, of, well, you know, that, that attitude, and sometimes we can get that way with God. I guess I better go, but I don't want to, you know. <laughs> Come on, guys. The joy of the Lord, amen? It's a get to, not a have to. We should have a heart to serve him. Guys, has he done, has he done enough for you? How much has God done for you? How much has he forgiven you? It's like a drop in the ocean every time you sin that he forgave you from. Can I get an amen to that? He's a forgiving God, a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. And yet we don't have time for him. Turn off the TV. Shut the fridge. Turn off the noise. Open your Bible. Open it, read it, obey it. Can I get an amen to that? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The motivation for doing anything we do should be out of love for him and for his glory, not to make a name for ourselves. Amen? Too many people want to serve God, but only if everybody is going to be notified. <laughs> make sure you send out a flock note that I help with the move on Saturday. <laughs> I got to get some glory somewhere. You know what I love? We got a church full of people who serve, and they don't care if anybody knows about it or not. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. There's few things that bless me more than seeing people who just faithfully serve and do it because they love the Lord, not out of motivation of any other kind. And guys, that's just such a blessing. You want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. And it's not just what we do, it's how we do it. It's who we do it for. Guys, if we're doing it for the Lord, if we do it with a cheerful heart, God will be glorified, our lives, and again, it's an opportunity. Guys, here's the reality. People are watching to see how you're going to react in difficult times, and often that is the greatest opportunity to point people to Jesus. Amen? When everyone's panicking and you're not, people want to know why. Why aren't you panicking? Heaven's better. God's on the throne. Can I get an amen? I had a, a couple months of a lot of gnarly stuff happen, and my coworkers were calling me like, that are new, they don't know me very well. And they're like, dude, you just seem so, you're okay. How are you okay? I said, bro, heaven's better. Amen? I have a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God's on the throne. He's a faithful God. Oh, oh, oh well, uh, 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 <laughs> shouldn't have called you. But, but the reality is, guys, we need to be reminded of, the, of eternity. I, I got several calls yesterday because today's my first Mother's Day without my mom. I miss her. Heaven's better. Amen? I have such peace. I have such joy. Amen? We've all gone through trials and difficulty. Let, let's finish up. We're only going to get through verse 12. Let's finish up. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Until the end. Until the end. We desire, the Greek there is earnestly desire, a language of fatherly affection rather than a command to show the same diligence, the constant exercise of faith and love. It's like a dad putting his arm around you and saying, I want, son, I just want to see you. And then my dad did this with me often. 
he would always, we would talk and, and basically, even if it was on the phone, he was, you know, putting his arm around me and say, son, God's using you. Son, I pray for you every day. Just finish strong, son. And we would close every phone call with, dad, finish strong, finish strong. Because guys, we have, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last and nothing else is going to matter. And some of you have been in ministry in the past and you're not in ministry anymore. And again, we're all ministers. Can I get an amen to that? Whether you have a title by your name or not, you have a gift and God wants you to use it. God wants you to be salt and light in your neighborhood. God wants you to be salt and light in your workplace. And God wants to use you for his kingdom and his glory. But he's saying, look, Show the same diligence, that constant exercise of love to the full assurance of hope. The assurance is, is possessed by those who produced lives that bear good fruit. And notice one of the key words is love. We know in Corinthians, it tells us that if, if you have no love, that you're a clanging cymbal. You just make a lot of noise. You know, if you, you can tell the truth, but there's no love behind it, you're just making a lot of noise. God wants us to have assurance. He doesn't want you to go through life wondering if you're really saved or not. God wants you to know and be absolutely sure. But there's a sense in what some of the assurance comes as you're striving to cling to Jesus. The assurance comes when you walk in intimate fellowship with the one who died for you. If you're constantly questioning, you have a lack of faith in God's grace. If you're constantly wondering, am I saved today? I blew it yesterday. Maybe I'm not saved anymore. I got to repent, get saved again. And, and you're on this roller coaster ride. And by the way, if, you, if I ask you right now, if you're going to heaven, if you only say, I hope so, we need to fix that. Can I get an amen? We don't hope. We know not because we're good, but because he's great. Answer to how long we should be diligently pursuing God as long as we're breathing. You see that at the end of the verse there? He says there, until the end, until the end, until the end, until the end. Whether we're 10 years old or 98 years old or anything in between, as long as we're on this planet, we need to continue to be pursuing the Lord. Amen? It's not something we check out of when we reach a certain age. And then finally, look what he says, last verse, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Spiritual maturity produces faithful diligence, not spiritual indifference and apathy. If you love the Lord, people shouldn't have to beg you to come to church. Can I get an amen to that? If you love the Lord, people shouldn't have to drag you into service. Can I get an amen to that? If we love the Lord, we should not be ashamed to share our faith with others. Can I get an amen to that? The word there don't be sluggish. It's slothful, inactive, lazy, and dull. And figuratively, it says in the original language, stupid. Don't be stupid. Can I get an amen to that? Don't be stupid. Don't be sluggish. Don't waste your time on things that don't matter and miss out on what is eternal. God has you where you are, where you live, where you work, the family that you're in to be salt and light and to be used mightily for his kingdom and for his glory, if you will but let him. Amen. And we do not want to be sluggish. And by the way, a lot of people have gotten really lazy with COVID. Can I get an amen? I'm just going to lay here and let them bring the groceries to the door and collect my unemployment. <laughs> they want me to come back to work. I'll make more staying home. So bring me some more chips. I don't even want to get up. And we become sluggish. Can I get an amen to that? We're, we're sluggish. Guys, fear of the outside is not an excuse for us to stop being used for the kingdom of God. 
Amen? God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Look for opportunities. Passionately pursue intimate fellowship with God through prayer, through time in his word. Your faith will grow. You'll have the assurance of hope. Again, he should be the first thing on your mind when you wake up and the last thing you think about when you go to sleep. He says, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Get your eyes and ears off of those who are attempting to draw you away, back to dead works, to empty religion, to things of the world, and imitate those who are walking in faithfulness. And you know how you imitate people who are walking faithful? You hang out with people who are walking faithful. If you hang out with the world, you're going to become like the world. You're going to be moaning and complaining about the White House all day. <laughs> Pray for your president. Can I get an amen? Pray for him. Can I get an amen? Did Jesus die for him? And all those people in Congress and the Senate, pray for them all. They need Jesus. Amen? We need to pray for them. We we moan, we complain. And guys, we're called to be salt and light. We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. But we need to act like we know God because we do know God. And they cannot silence us if we don't let them. Can I get amen to that? They can't tell us to be quiet. They can't tell us to keep our faith to ourselves. What are you going to do? Throw me in jail. I'll start a prison ministry. You can't stop me. Can I get amen? We need to have that mentality. Those around them are examples, but we too can imitate faith. That's why I love to read the Bible. There's some people, after I hang out with Jesus for about a thousand years, there's some people I want to talk. Now, how many like to hang out with Daniel for a few minutes? I, man, as a teenager, I, Daniel was just my hero. I thought, look at that guy as a teenager, purposing in his heart to, not to defile himself. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hanging out in the fire. It had to be called out of the fire because it's better to be in the fire with Jesus than out of the fire without him. Can I get an amen to that? And so in the midst of persecution, isn't it good that God is faithful? Hang out with those, imitate those who are walking with the Lord. You don't have to give in to discouragement and temptation. You can persevere. With temptation, God makes a way of escape. Let me close with this. Every time you're tempted, it's an opportunity to sin or an opportunity to grow. Where does temptation come from? From the devil every time. God does not tempt us. The Bible tells us that. Amen? So when Satan tempts you, it's an opportunity for you to fall away or an opportunity for you to grow. Because when you resist the devil, what does he do? He flees from you. So you grow spiritually every time you say no to sin. Lord, help me. That's my prayer. If I'm tempted, Lord, help me. Lord, help is a great prayer, by the way. Can I get an amen? Help! Okay, that's a good one. (laughs) Lord, I need help. I want to tear this guy up right now. Help me. I'm going to be quiet. I'm about ready to respond, and it won't be Christ-like. Help. And when we don't do it, we grow. Amen? But when we fall into temptation, we fall away from the Lord, and there's a need for repentance. In 10, 11, and 12, he talks about love and hope and faith. These are marks of spiritual maturity. Spiritually mature people love, they have hope in Christ, and they walk in faith. A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. We find out how much faith we have by when it's put to the test. Can I get an amen? It's easy to say you have faith when you're on a cruise ship to heaven, but how do you do when things fall apart? So too is perseverance in the, in the midst of persecution and temptation. It tells people, it's an evidence that you're, that it tells us that we're walking with the Lord and our lives are bearing fruit and we're going to heaven. Can I get an amen? 
So in closing, a call to spiritual maturity. Last week we saw go beyond the basics. Don't be satisfied with a saved soul and wasted life. Fully grasp the consequences of rejecting Jesus. Guys, rejecting Jesus is no joke. Can I get amen? It's got eternal consequences. Uh, a life that bears fruit. By your fruit, they shall know you. Does your life bear fruit? And finally, are you persevering in the midst of persecution and temptation? Guys, we can. If you've blown in the past, ask God to forgive you. He's faithful and just. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your infinite mercy. We thank you for the word of God. And we thank you, Lord, that you've redeemed us. You've accepted us, adopted us, forgiven us. You've given us a down payment on heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. But also pray, Lord, if there are those here this morning who are walking away from you, who maybe have known about you but don't know you, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would not be satisfied, Lord, with a life separated from you. And for those of us who do know you, I pray that we would not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. We would not just be happy that, hey, we're going to heaven, but our life is consumed with everything but you and doing your will. Lord, I pray that you'd light a fire in us. Fan the flames, Lord. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to live a life that is sold out and set apart unto you for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, we can't do any of this without you. It's not us trying harder. It's just us surrendering more. Lord, we surrender our lives to you. Less of us, more of you. Fill us with your spirit. Be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.